you know why why would we even do a best of why why don't we just talk about our own insecurities and, <laughs> <laughs> and introversion and extroversion this I is think. <laughs> pop psychology with fanboy and know it all <laughs> we're just switching it up midstream i always actually uh, i always wanted that to be um the notebook mm-hmm I always wanted – like when I first saw The Notebook, I was watching it. You know, it's a sweet, syrupy, romantic movie and then Never he goes – All right. So then Ryan Gosling goes to war, right? Oh, OK. I didn't know. Yeah. For those that know. And <laughs> uh, so it's like this first third of the movie almost or so. It's a syrupy – you know, they're, they're standoffish with each other. But you can tell they like each other and it's moving towards, uh, you know, a happy ending for both of them and then he's got to go off to war. And you're like, okay, this is going to throw a wrench in the relationship, all that kind of stuff. And he comes back and he's he's grizzled, he's hardened, and he finds – he hasn't gotten any responses to his letters from this girl. His friends have died. He's jaded. And he finds out that this girl that he loved, that she said she'd wait for him, all these things, is now engaged to another man. And that it's because she never got any of his letters because her mother would – Intercept oh, them and discard of them. That's and, terrible. You know, so, See, I'm just learning about this movie now. That's a terrible thing for a mother to yeah, do. Yeah, I won't spoil the ending, but I wanted it at that point to become like a thriller horror. Oh, yeah. Where he just like snaps and stalks the family like and hunts them down to bring re- – you know, to to because he's just been so broken. Yeah. I was like, what a – what a uh, – a juke – it would have given all the viewers to think, oh, it's this cute Nicholas Sparks-like movie, The Notebook, and it's sweet. They see all the trailers, and then yeah. they go watch it, and it turns into this thriller horror about halfway through. I was like, that would be the greatest prank of all time. I think every rom-com would be improved by turning it into a slasher yeah. horror myself. And and that's what kind of what Get Out ended up doing and kind of proved my theory that, hey, this is, this is a good formula. So really, I originate – it's Jordan Peele's original story. Yeah, so I'm not going to say I thought up his angle on it, but the idea of turning this kind of romantic dramedy into a thriller horror, I mean, I thought of that back with The Notebook. <laughs> Which is interesting since you hate horror. I do, uh, but I don't mind a thriller type horror, you know, in that kind of sense. Like I hate I hate spiritual horror. I hate jump scare horror, but like a psychological thriller with like a horror tinge to it, that's more gothic than yeah. anything, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you think about Get Out, it's not a gross out. It's not a jump scare. It's not a spiritual horror type film. It's it's that gothic horror. See, gothic horror, This we really need to get started on the podcast. But <laughs> gothic horror to me is inherently spiritual, right? Because sure. it has, you know, the ghosts and all that kind of stuff wandering around this this big old house or whatnot you know it, it feels like it's explicitly horror well know? gothic horror has a lot of religious trappings but it's not the same as like when i say religious the demon possession sure you know, working with the devil all those sort of cultic sure. I, I should say like a cultic spiritual Horror versus – yeah, I know. I mean there's obviously a lot yeah. of Catholic trappings sure. in classic gothic horror. but And there are a lot of spiritual themes. Yeah. But the things themselves didn't tend to be about you know demons in the occult. There's obviously elements of that. 
au contraire, Senor. There's a lot of I elements, say, but it's it see, wasn't. But it was thing. you were dealing with you were dealing with spiritual things, and in a physical world. I mean, when you think about Frankenstein, when you think about Dracula, when you think about Phantom of the Opera, again, I'm not saying they're not spiritual. I think what I'm trying to differentiate is those where specifically we're talking about demon possession, occultic ritual, that kind of stuff. And that spirit world versus, you know, Dracula, Frankenstein, the Phantom are all physical manifestations dealing that we use to kind of parse out spiritual Two thoughts on Themes. that before we go on to the podcast. <laughs> so the actual – the very first gothic horror novel was The Monk, which, mm-hmm. which I, I've I read. I should read this. It, yeah, it's really that's good. one I have not read. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of melodramatic at places, but it, it's considered to be – Which like of them the, weren't. <laughs> exactly. It's considered to be the very first gothic horror novel. And it, it is completely actually about sort of this, this monk who sells his soul to the devil. Mm. And so you do have those, those elements. And I think that one of the things that I like about gothic horror, oddly enough, this is one of the areas where I think we differ the most, is I really dig that spiritual horror type of feel because i think that you know you look at dracula it's inherently spiritual this this creature of the night who's who is separated from god frankenstein has this tension between um you know god-like creation and man creation and how it's an abomination of all this kind of stuff so there's always something inherently spiritual about gothic horror that i really enjoy yeah um but I, i i do understand what you're saying i think that i think that you like me, enjoy the the terror, the atmosphere, maybe a little bit more than kind of the. I'm not a big jump scare person either, yeah. And I think that sometimes it can just get. When you're talking about sort of that demon possession thing, I think sometimes it can feel just too grim and too explicit, almost. You know, yeah. in terms of what is frightening. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I think spiritual is probably the wrong term for, you know, semantically the wrong term for me to have used to start this because, yeah, you're right. The 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 differentiation I'm making, you know, is wrong to use spiritual as the differentiator. So I win. Yeah. I win. Well, you win in that you helped me figure out my terms better. <laughs> I haven't changed my position. <laughs> On those no, know, it, this demon is, possession this type This is a good conversation stories, to have. But, yeah. we'll, we'll bookmark this. <laughs> uh, and that's the intro. Now it's time to talk about the best <laughs> things of 2018. <laughs> what is up? My nerds, welcome inside Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. Welcome back inside our crazy brains. Crazier than normal this morning. <laughs> yeah, you know, gothic horror, Diving semantics. In. Oh my goodness. And now the best pop culture things of 2018. So do you ever wonder? <laughs> I, I wonder about many thought. things. So if we took like a road trip across the United States, would we ever stop talking? I don't know if we would. I I bet we would have some natural lulls in the conversation. Right, we're both. At the end of the day, we're both introverts. Right, and we both are 
sort of thoughtful processors. We both like time to think through things. Or we're long processors anyway. And and both. And so I think there would be, you know, rap there would be lots of conversation. Then it'd be like we would hit those moments where, you know, we need some thoughtful contemplation. We need to stare at the rolling fields yeah. of Nebraska and I'd be tempted to schedule it. Iowa. Okay. To now schedule the silence. Yeah, yeah. Now it's time. Now it's time for 30 minutes of, of thoughtful contemplation. You would be tempted, but again, I feel that because we're both natural introverts, we're a little bit more okay with those moments of silence. We don't f- necessarily feel the need to uh, fill every moment. But we are we are fake in- extroverts, though, both mm. of us. So I don't know whether the social pressure would make us want to be extroverted in those situations. Situations. Well, when we get real famous and we have a, you know, we do a national Traveling tour. Traveling podcast. Yeah, where we do some like live recording shows and yeah. fill up theaters and stuff like that. We'll we'll do a driving tour. That sounds terrifying. On Route 66 kind of thing. You know, just make it real classic. Sounds good. And uh, we'll see what happens. Sounds good. We'll record one of our long stretches. It'll just be <laughs> eight hours of two introverted fake extroverts <laughs> riding in a car. And it'll be a fascinating social experience. Fascinating. Okay. But uh, on to better things. On to better things. You know, it's it's the last show of 2018 for Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. Christmas is wrapped up. And it's that time of year where we start to think back. Yeah. On the best things. And last year we sort of did our just – best movies right of 2017 but i thought it'd be fun to sort of expand and say what were just the best things yeah in 2018 movies tv shows songs video games you know looking back at the shows we did what were the movie the movie we liked rewatching? the movie that hurts the best that hurts so goodest yes we're going to revisit some of the some of the more interesting moments on this podcast in the midst of this best of list just sort of to revisit some of the things that we've been forcing each other to watch so i think it could be uh it could be a pretty interesting podcast and as always we'll wrap up with the most least important thing and uh, but when you think about this show is really a bunch of most least important things because this you know at least how i approach it and i'll let you decide you know i'll let you explain how you approach it but i when i was looking at this i just wanted to go with my favorite 2018 things Mm -hmm. There's best and there's favorite, right? Sure, yeah, absolutely. And I've been differentiating that on Twitter. You know, I've been asking, here's my, I've been showing, here's my favorite TV shows, here's my favorite movies, and I'm making these lists. They're not necessarily the best movies right. I've ever seen, and the ones I would say this, this is the top five best movies, top five best TV shows. They're my personal favorites, and right. so that's how I approach this list. Yeah, and it's always a very interesting tension for me. Because I see so many movies, right? So I – and there are movies that I can see are really fantastic movies that are just so hard to watch that you wouldn't necessarily want to do it all the time. You know, Beautiful Boy did not make my list even though it's a really good movie, I think. So – and, and I sort of combine them. This this actually had the most cohesive sense. This list of mine had the most cohesion because the movies that I have on here are actually movies that I would watch again and, and would encourage others to. So. Yeah. So, I, I mean, with that, let's just dive right in to rank, you know. Let's do it. Letting everybody know. And we hope, you know, what we hope is that if you like hanging out with us and you like talking about these things, really our, my hope with all this is that there will be a thing or two on this list that you say, 
I haven't uh, I haven't checked that out. I ought to check this out and then come back and talk with these guys about it because I'm looking for more people to talk with these things about. Sure. Facebook, Twitter, text me, you know, all these sorts of things. This is fun for me. And so I hope if it's fun for you or if there's something you're like, I thought I was the only one who liked this thing. Let's talk about it. All right. All right. So with that, I mean, let's uh, let's go ahead and start off, Paul, with uh, your favorite song of 2018 (laughs) and i picked that very specifically dear listeners (laughs) dear friends because paul and i i mean paul and i both neither of us are music junkies right we're no adam holtz's no exactly but uh and paul is even worse than me oh i'm i'm so much worse so actually what i'm fascinated to see is if he even heard a song that came out in 2018 the answer is no i did not so the the (laughs) I can't believe I was hoping that we would run out of time yeah. before we got to the song. That's then why, I, that's why I started with it. So, yeah. So I'm old, right? And I think that there's a certain age where people just stop paying attention to music, most people. There's some science that says our music tastes are really set by about 30, and we don't right. like much new after that. And that's really true. Although, you know, when I hear music, I, I'm not – I don't feel like an, I'm an old gaffer who listens to it and says, ah, that rap, I can't stand it. I, I actually really like some of the music that I hear, but I don't go out of my way to listen to it. Yeah. And that was certainly the case this year. So the favorite song that I heard, just heard this <laughs> year, Life in a Northern Town from 1984. Oh, my. Because was that the first time you had heard this song? No, no, no. It, it, I heard it back in the day. But, but you I heard, heard it again, it year, and you were like, "And I was reminded, this is what great. a great song this is." No, <laughs> who does this song? So, so I've never heard of it. I, I have think. to tell you, Wendy, my wife. I, I was talking to her this morning about the podcast and and talking about some of these categories, and and she asked me that very same question: Have you actually heard a song? And so as I was brushing my teeth, she tried to bring me up to speed on, on some of the biggest hits. But they were all by Ariana Grande, and I just didn't care. <laughs> so Every song, every song your wife brought up, you're like, thank you, next. I just, and she's like, that's an Ariana Grande song. And you were, I was, was just like, saying, continue to the yeah, next song. Yeah, so I'm sticking with Life in a Northern Town because really that's a great song. Have you heard that song, Nick? I, I have not. I'm looking it up right now. It's by the Dream Academy, right? Dream Academy. No, I've oh, never never heard this song. beautiful song. It talks about John hey, no, F. Kennedy no, no, no. and the Beatles. It's a song from 1985 that talks about the winter of 1963. So yes, this, is, this real is really perfect for Paul. Oh, yeah. He likes old things that talk about even older things. That's really true. That yeah. sort of encompasses my entire personality. All right. So my, my favorite <laughs> song of 2018 uh, is from 2018. <laughs> Cheater. And uh, it comes from – it comes from really – though, speaking of old things, one of the last or at least most prominent renaissance individuals in pop culture and that is Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino. Of course. And it's This Is America. Yeah. Donald Glover had a lot of music. Well, you were talking about this when it came out. Yeah, we talked about this on the show a little bit. And so – but This Is America still sticks with me even to now, not just for the message, the many messages that are in the song that I think are really poignant but cleverly disseminated in a song form, you know, without – it's somehow – very direct without being that direct at all. It, it manages to walk that line pretty well, I think. And so lyrically, I think it's a fantastic song. But it's also a really 
good listen. And that's sort of the point of This Is America is that sometimes we get so wrapped up in the culture that we don't really pay attention to what else is going on. Mm -hmm. And so it was another part of Childish Gambino's commentary. Um, But it's, yeah, it's a really catchy song. It's one I still catch myself singing or humming every now and again. So uh, for me, This Is America is the song of 2018. Very interesting. Yeah. Did you do you did you watch or hear this song and you no. just forgot? No. Even because even after I talked about it last time, I didn't care. I'm sending you the link and you're going <laughs> to listen to it. Come on. I know. Well, it was one of those things where I said oh, I really should. I really should listen. I to really this. ought to listen to this at some point. Yeah. But yeah. then you go on and you have to it's, write a movie. Review. It's really good so. and. Of course, just to solidify again its point about how we get distracted from the sure. deeper things. No, absolutely. People, one of the best things to, to happen after this song was that people figured out that, you know, the BPM or whatever, I'm not a music nerd, sorry, music nerds, matches up with Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. Have you heard that one? No, I haven't. Well, I've heard hey, the song. Yeah. I just met yeah, yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. So they took that. I'm up on Call, Call Me, Me Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, you're up on the song from like seven years ago. Yeah, remember. exactly. That feels new to me. Yeah. And they overlaid it with the This Is America music video. And the first, you know, 30 seconds to a minute totally match up. Yeah. And so you have this <laughs> really, it's a very fun juxtaposition that again underscores yeah. the song. This is America's point about our distractibility yeah. even further. So it furthers the social commentary of the song. So it's like extra brilliant. Oh, it's insane. Yeah. On that note, and not to make this podcast any longer, we're gonna have to. I don't know, <laughs> we're gonna have to cut out a few categories or something. But um, on that note, there's been a lot of really interesting juxtapositions this year that I've noticed. Um, one of my favorite is. Uh, doing like the cast of the avengers to the fuller house theme song have you seen that i did see that i thought that was pretty great. or the the amazon christmas commercial with the winter soldier <laughs> i think it was winter soldier or like some avengers music and just making it real dark and um, yeah i'm or, gonna have to check that out it was i don't remember if it was winter soldier if it was age of ultron but they used some avengers dark villainous music and they laid it over the top of that cheery amazon commercial where all the boxes are singing and it is creepy Creepy. i mean the commercial ultimately was really creepy in its nicety so this really just makes it seem more uh appropriate (laughs) with all these boxes singing um anyways yeah i'll have to send that to you as well so there you go favorite song of 2018 this is america Paul, uh, you know, since I blindsided you with that category, I'll let you pick the next All right. category. So, Jake, speaking of boxes, tell me about the box, the game box that you most appreciated mm. opening up and playing this year. Yeah. Tell me about your favorite game. So I have – this is one where I, I have two answers. So <laughs> <laughs> I have – you know, I was trying to decide which was the right one. Is it the game I played in 2018 or is it, did it need to be a game that came out? Right. In 2018. Since you've opened up this Pandora's box of it, <laughs> it just needs to be played song. in 2018. It doesn't have to have been made. So like my made in 2018, it was Spider-Man on the PS4. Fun game. Great return Heard to great form for Spider-Man. Yeah. A lot of fun. And uh, great web slinging. F- interesting story. Uh, pretty solid game. Right. But 
in January of 2018, I finally got around to playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which was a 2017 game, but my family and I all got the flu in January of 2018. It was late 2017, right? Uh, no, it was kind of early, oh, actually, okay. 2017. But I didn't get a Nintendo Switch until Christmas 2017. Poor thing. And then we all got the flu in January, and our buddy Tim Nestor, who's been on the podcast, he hosts Fathers of the Grind. Check them out if you haven't and you like games. But he lent me his copy of Breath of the Wild. And when my family and I all had the flu for like three weeks, but we had like three or four days where we all overlapped, we put in a good 30 to 40 hours <laughs> on Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, just lying comatose on the couch. Six of us, all my my wife and kids and I, and it made a really miserable time a lot less miserable. It, it is a, yeah. an amazing game. It, it's probably actually my favorite game ever now. Favorite it's, game ever? Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay. Everything about the world it creates. I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the open world, how you could climb or jump off anything. So much climbing. Yeah, it's so much climbing. But they somehow gamify it to make it interesting and the know. puzzling and Paul should really love I, this game. I'd quibble with I guess not enough book sorting for Paul. Well, <laughs> but <laughs> So yeah. here's here's the funny what thing. About, I, I've got a story about this because I've also been playing uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. My wife loves it. She loves it. She's on her second as time. As she should. Through. And uh, she, you know, she kind of forced me to start playing it. And, and I've been enjoying it. But I did happen to mention, I, I mean, the thing is, you climb a lot of cliffs in this thing. If you and want to. You constant, don't have to climb well, any you if you don't want to. You have to climb them because you have to go up to the towers and you have to yeah. get your little rush rooms and all this kind of stuff. And so you're always climbing. And then it always rains, so you're always slipping down. And it's so annoying. So... I did happen to mention to my son as I was playing, you know, this is this is all right, but I I don't like it as much as Skyrim. Wendy, my wife, turned to turned to me and uh, you would have thought that I would have impugned her parents or something. It was <laughs> it was she was really offended. <laughs> I would I would say that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, comparing the two cuz Skyrim was like the seminal open world game of right. its time. Right. Oh, Two three decades ago, it seems like <laughs> you know you. It was amazing because oh, I can go up into the mountains and I can go anywhere I want. But you kind of had to hack it. You know, you're jumping diagonally and sideways oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to find a path up the mountain. Yeah. But no other game ever let you do that, so it felt really cool. Whereas Zelda lets you do that and actually rewards you for doing that if you do it well. Unlike Paul, who <laughs> times it poorly. Apparently, it rains. And I yeah. hate the rain. Anyways, I, I there it is for me. What about for you? Favorite game. 2018. Favorite game, 2018. This is Skyrim. also a 2017 game. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually may be getting through with Skyrim. Okay. I tried to start it again for the sixth time. <laughs> but, you know, it just didn't have the quite ma- that the same magic's thrill. The magic's worn off. <laughs> so, but, you know, my son and I have been playing a lot of Gran Turismo Sport. Mm-hmm. And I do love those those Gran Turismo games. They're they're racing games. You can hop into any kind of car you want. You just drive. It's just a driving game. It's a, it's pretty simple, but the graphics are so incredible. You um, and the thing that I really like about it is, is is that it gives you the gameplay is such, and I'm sure that Tim Nestor would have a great way of describing this. Yeah. But the gameplay is such that you really feel, even though you're sitting on your couch 
with a controller, you actually feel like you're stepping inside one of these these high-tuned sports cars. And I, the only, the highest-powered car I've ever had was a six-cylinder Ford Maverick. So to, to get inside a Porsche or a Ferrari or, or uh, you know, a Formula One car, it, it kind of, it's really cool. It, it's yeah. sort of like a vicarious thrill for the 15-year-old at me. Right. No, that I mean, there's. I'm pretty sure there's a story about a kid that started playing Gran Turismo in high school, got himself like a whole seat and like car setup, tuned his game so that you know it would be even more realistic as a driving simulator. And he ended up racing in real car, like Gran yeah. Turismo type car events, because of all the time he put in on his own sim. So yeah, there's a there's a lot to be said about yeah. what that series does. Here is a here is a little plugged in caveat for you about Gran Turismo though the influence of video games I can't help myself <laughs> after driving after playing that game for a little while if I actually get in my real car I am not quite as safe a driver as, go a as I faster. do well you sort of cut off the corners to shave a little <laughs> bit more time and then yeah it's a it's a little bit it it does influence you or at least it influences me well there you go all right Paul. Uh, or it's my turn to pick the it category is your now. Turn. Yeah, that is. Uh, so, Paul, for this one, let's let's go ahead and, and go back in time. And I want to hear what was your favorite backlist Hall of Shame movie that you had to wipe off the backlist or rewatch right. when I was these, wiping it off my backlist. These are quality movies that both of us said, oh, we really should have watched this. If we're talking about movies all the time, these are movies that we really should have watched. Classics never we never did. I actually had two, right. and one was on my backlist, and one was on yours, I believe. Yeah, maybe both of them were on yours. I uh, I I chose To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm. I thought To Kill a Mockingbird was really worth the time that I put into it. I thought that that it was a a great movie. Seeing Gregory Peck in action was fantastic. We both talked at length about that stupid introduction. It was just really cool. Uh, but <laughs> stupid other, good, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> but the other one. <laughs> The other one that that actually stuck with me even longer, oddly enough, the Italian job. Oh my gosh! That was on your backlist. Uh, I had never watched it. That was on your backlist. Oh, was it on yeah, my? Yeah, I hadn't watched it either. But it was on your backlist because it came out the year you were born. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was. It is strange what sticks with you because that was that probably strange. one of the most inconsequential movies we saw on our backlist. Vapid. And it's the one of the, it's the one that I might remember the most. Huh. Well, I went with To Kill a Mockingbird as well. Uh, I think there's something fascinating about how both the story and the filmmaking have held up over the last, you know, almost 60 years now. And it's a powerful movie that feels as we talked about at length just as poignant today as it, yeah. I think it did, and just then. as relevant, yeah. Absolutely. And again, cinematically, it did a lot of things that didn't feel like they were that dated. Uh, certainly, other parts, it's black and white, sure. whatever. But uh, really well made movie, really thoughtful. Yeah, t- for me, it was To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. So, Jake, for this next one, I think we should just dive into the best hurt so good All right. movie. And honestly, I think we should say. Our picks. We don't know each other's picks. Right. But I bet you that they're the same. Like so three, I, two, one. Three, two, one. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. Battlefield, Battlefield Earth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I honestly wasn't sure what you were going to say, but yeah, that was yeah. slam dunk for me. Yeah. No, I think the worst it, it was, and the best. 
it was the best and the worst. And even though, even though it's so painful to sit through, I kind of want to sit through it again. Yeah. No, honestly, that was the one for me out of all the ones we've done so far in Hurt So Good that I enjoyed the most even watching by myself. As again, as we talked about at length, I've got, I've still got my notes somewhere, all the notes of all the terrible things in Battlefield Earth, and it's the one that I, if I ever, when I talk to friends about bad movies and they haven't seen this, it's like, when can we schedule time to watch this? <laughs> oh my goodness! And and it's one where afterwards, I had a, a friend Jeremiah uh, text me, and he he was like, boy. I never want to see that movie based on your description. And I was like, no, 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 no. You do want to see this movie based on my description because it's so bad it's that it's amazing. So, bad it's so Jeremiah, let's let's hang out sometime when we're when we're in town together and we'll do a Battlefield Earth. Battlefield Earth, it's worth it. Yeah, we'll get the families together. It's a great kids movie. Great yeah. kids. Yeah. Not, think... not great for the kiddies. <laughs> no, but it's better than Hawkeye. I'll True. Say that. Much better than Hawkeye. All right. Uh, let's, let's dive see. into best movies. What let's do you think? Go, uh, let's go best movies. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Favorite 2018 movies. So we picked a top three for we these. We picked the top three. Do you want to do three, two, one, or do you want to do one, two, three? Let's go three, two, one. All right. All right. Three for you, Paul. Okay. Number three for me, Quiet Place. All right. Yeah. Good Quiet call. Place. I thought it was a brilliant thriller slash horror movie. Are you having a stroke? Blah, blah, blah. Are you okay? Do we need to get you to the doctor? It's really early, people. <laughs> you it thought is it was... It is this great thriller-horror movie combo, but underneath it all, it had this very powerful uh, family message. I love the messages of family. I love the acting in it. I thought it was really compelling, really creative. Um, I found it one of the most entertaining movies of the year. And it always makes me, yeah, that's exactly right. Mm. It makes me get a little bit, you know, you know, misty-eyed toward the end because it's just, it's just so, it is so terrifying and yet so sweet. And that's not often a combination you have. Don't usually go hand in hand. Uh, for me, not terrifying nor sweet, but terrifying. Number three for me was uh, Avengers: Infinity War. Oh, interesting. I, you know, this one was controversial because a lot of people were were frustrated with the, how it ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, I've seen it twice already, and um, I I think it's a really solid movie. I like where it left the universe, even though it's obviously sort of a tentpole movie, and that there's more to come after it. And so it didn't tell, didn't finish the story. It leaves you hanging, but. As we talked about when we talked about Infinity War, that's what I liked about it. Yeah. I like when movies leave you sort of in the lurch like that. And so for me, you know, just the ability to bring – again, bring these myriad Marvel movies and cast of characters together in a way that makes sense and in a way that leaves you going, <gasps> yeah. at the end, which yeah. it did. Yeah. Uh, for me. And so that it's number three on my list. I've really debated, you know, what I think about Infinity War. I'm putting together my top ten list and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of – spoiler alert, I'm kind of holding off because number one, Infinity War for me was a very traumatic experience. And number two, I really do feel that, that I have to see the next one to know how I right. feel about this yeah. one. Yeah, I know there are a lot of people that feel that way. But honestly, like, had they decided to end – the MCU this way, I for one, oh my and might goodness. be the only one. You would have been all for it. You are the only one. That is sick. Come you are a sick. <laughs> you are a sick person. All right, 
Paul, number, number two. two. Number two. This is a movie you have not heard of, except that I put it on my uh, my fantasy film. So I have heard about it multiple times since you keep <laughs> rubbing <laughs> all that garbage in my face. I think this might be the one that hasn't gotten you very many points, no, right? No, no. I think it's gotten maybe one or two. One or two points, but it's Leave No Trace. Yeah. Um, did, so far, you I haven't, but it's your weakest pick so far. It's my weakest pick so far because – Which is better than my two weakest. So. Yeah, well, we won't go into that now. I mean, it costs about $50 to make, I think. Yeah. But it is – and it came out in July when everybody, you know, all the temples had just rolled out. Everybody was throwing in a bunch of stuff, so it sort of got lost in the shuffle. But for me, it was one of the most beautifully poignant – uh, father-daughter stories I've ever seen. It's about this guy who has PSTD. Is that right? Are you? Is you still having a stroke? What PTSD? What, that's exactly what I meant. That's exactly PSTD. What, that's <laughs> that's a, that's a whole bag of things we don't want to get into. Anyway, anyway, he has these issues, right? Yeah. And and he and his daughter live off the grid. They just live off in the forest, but they're caught, and then it becomes sort of this complex story of how and if they can integrate into society. Nature living off the grid is all this girl has ever known. And she sees civilization and she sees some some attractive things about it. While it just makes the guy, the dad, who has been this daughter's hero for such a long time, it just makes him freak out. And so you have this this really interesting tension between um, society and nature and between father and daughter. And I think it, it becomes one of the most powerfully poignant movies I've seen. Yeah. And number two for me, and I, I, I'm not totally surprised, but a little surprised this, that this it ended up this way, is A Quiet Place. Oh! So I was a little wow. surprised that I, it landed above Paul because he's the one that's raved about it the most. And uh, But yeah, A Quiet Place for me was, like Paul said, it was poignant. It had some thrills to it. It had a lot of great performances, even though there's very little to say right. in this movie, uh, for which fits since it's called A Quiet Place. But <laughs> for me, um, out of all the movies I've seen this year, it was one I actually enjoyed a little bit more than Infinity War. As much as I liked mm-hmm. Infinity War, A Quiet Place edges it out because it is a you know, complete story. Yeah. And, and it is such an interesting take on the thriller genre. Mm-hmm. And so for me, Quiet Place was the one I enjoyed the second most this year. It's really interesting because we've talked about your dislike of horror, and a lot of people would classify this as horror, but it didn't really bother you as much. Right. Yeah. Again, it's it's I I would put it in that thriller lean heavily leaning sci-fi thriller, thriller sci fi mm-hmm. category with horror elements. And right. that I don't mind. Right. Yeah. All right, number one for me, this is a movie that I talked about last week. We may talk about it next time, me too. Who knows? Uh, it would be Roma. Yeah, this was your most least important thing. Yeah, it was my most least important thing uh, last week. And I, as I've been sort of, as I've sort of been piecing together my top ten list for the year, it was it was a really difficult choice. And and um, Roma is such a weird movie in some ways to put on the top of a list like this. Uh, it's black and white. It's it's a foreign language movie. It's a very quiet story, which typically, you know, I'm I'm kind of a populist when it comes to movies. I like I like exciting superhero movies, all that kind of stuff. This is a quieter movie. It was beautiful, and I think that I would even say that 
it feels at times transcendent. Mm. Um, I could wax on and on and on and on about this movie because it's just that good. And I think it has a lot of it has a lot of um, emotional heft to it and spiritual depth that you wouldn't expect. It doesn't have a lot of overt spirituality, but it is incredibly beautifully profound. Yeah. It's funny that, that that both of our number ones ended up being ones we just talked about on the last show. Because number one for me is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Whoa! It is. This flat out, this was <laughs> my was favorite so movie to watch. I was so expecting Black Panther in this Right? Spot Black Panther, you. great movie. Enjoyed it. Seen it twice. Enjoyed it both times. Um, but, yeah, Into the Spider-Verse was just honestly my favorite movie to watch this year it, from start to finish it was fun it was creative it was unique the it was gorgeous the animation i've i've waxed eloquent about it in my most least important thing go back to the last episode to hear me do that um but it is just a fun movie yeah. and it's well done it's a fun movie that doesn't feel as vapid as some of the other fun movies like a uh, italian job sure but uh yeah i I just had a blast watching it. Like it made the theater fun again. You know, whereas Infinity War and Black Panther, good movies, enjoyable movies, fun moments, this was just start to finish a fun, exciting movie. You know, it's interesting because I don't think, and maybe maybe I'm completely wrong about this, but when I saw that it was coming to the theater, I thought, oh, that looks kind of fun. It looks like it might be sort of a lark. You definitely didn't think it was going to be, you know, an animated powerhouse along the lines of Incredibles 2. You definitely didn't think it was going to start landing on best of list. But your list is not the only one that I have seen this on. I mean, people love this movie. Right. I have not seen it. Right. But because I may have to now. I think you need to. Yeah. I mean, it's still 97% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It's incredible. So it's all the way up there. And, yeah, it's landing on – it's getting. It's going to get awards – and and people are enjoying it. It's it's one I haven't seen any hate on yet. Yeah, no, it's it's one that I think I'd like to see. Incredibles two. As I do some voting for a, for a thing that I I am involved in this critics thing, Incredibles two feels like the class of the animation league to me. But I wasn't. I liked Incredibles two just fine. I thought yeah. it was a very nice movie. But I think that before I vote, I need to see this. I movie. think you have to. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Uh, so now let's uh, dive into favorite 2018 TV shows. All righty. So we'll go three, two, one again. And this is an interesting category because what even is a TV show anymore? What even I'm is including, a TV show? I'm including stuff that is episodic, even if it came out on streaming all at the same time. Oh, yeah. And it, you almost have to. Yeah. So, so all right. Number three, Paul. All right. Number three for me, just to... Just to let you guys know, I watch a ton of TV. It's um, your day job. It's my day job. I, I watch, I've probably watched 70 or 80 different shows this year. But ironically, paradoxically, I don't watch any TV, hardly at all, in my free time. Well, it makes sense. You get a little sick of it. Yeah. So, so when Wendy and I sit down and watch something, it's, it's a pretty rare thing. So these are all shows that we have watched in our spare time. If I select a show that I've reviewed and then I keep watching – that's something means something. Yeah, exactly. So, um, number three for me, the good place. Oh, come on! That's number three for me. <laughs> no way! <Yeah. laughs> 
It, it barely made the cut. It's like, well, it had episodes in 2018, new episodes in 2018, and yeah. and season three came out in 2018. So I'm counting it. Yeah. No. And in, in, in truthfully, again, I'm sort of cheating on this one because I haven't seen the third season, any of the well, third that's, seasons. Yeah. That's right. But because I'm watching it on Netflix, so right. so I watched uh, first and second season. It is a riot. It is hilarious, and it is steeped in philosophy and, and, and sort of these moral conundrums that they deal with as they go from good place to bad place to right. good place. And, and uh, the characterizations, the characters are just laugh out loud funny. Yeah. It's thoughtful. It's goofy. It's quirky. It's clever. It's yeah. a good show. That was number three on my list as well. Good pick. We'll just jump right to number two because I, I know I've talked about it before. So. You guys can go back and check out that episode. Just uh, search for Pop Culture Fanboy Know It All, The Good Place. But, Paul, number two on your list. This is one that I am sure will not make your list. All right. The Haunting of Hill House. Yep, definitely not on my list. <laughs> <laughs> number number two on my list, Netflix show. Um, I have talked probably more than I should have about the, the greatness of the 1963 version of The Haunting, one of my very favorite scary haunted house movies. It's interesting that we started off this talking about gothic horror. Um, I was a little nervous. I was really interested to see what Netflix would do with this this series, The Haunting of Hill House, which is based on the book that The Haunting was based on yeah. by Shirley Jackson. How'd you trigger your Siri there? Siri, Shirley, it's oh, all the same thing. There you go. So, um, it was a very different experience than the haunting the movie. Um, it was much more emotionally involved. Mm. And while the haunting the movie, you never actually see anything terrifying happen. You never actually see anything. It's all about the year. It's all yeah. about the feel. Um, this one you see a lot of stuff, which I didn't particularly like. But it was it was done really effectively. Uh, the story tied into each other. The ending has been controversial, and I would agree. I don't not like the ending very much, but it's a it is a fascinating final episode because it is fraught. If you would ever watch this, Jake, it would nope. be a fascinating discussion to have. Lots of swearing. Not, just well, to let you know that I'm fine with. <laughs> So, but I thought it was a really compelling show, and it had some really creep-worthy moments where I actually had to turn it off at one point in time and watch The Good Place because oh, it's just – I was you watching just, alone. Yeah, you sold me on never watching that show ever. <laughs> All right, number two for me uh, did have creepy moments but in a very different way, but that's Atlanta. Atlanta is uh, – so this is the second – spot on my top best of 2018 list for Donald Glover. I think he's the only one who got two spots on my top 2018 list. You are a Donald Glover. He's he's a renaissance man, guys. He's just a renaissance man. But Atlanta continues to be a pretty incredible TV show. Um, The way they explore it's it's the way they explore TV filmmaking TV movie making, TV TV making and the the things they do thematically um, are fascinating. The way there's there's an episode, um, oh now I'm forgetting the name of it. Teddy something uh, that deals, Ruxpin. yeah, not Ruxpin, mm. but the way it deals with really complex issues and kind of this grounded but ethereal way. I mean, there's it's really tough to describe Atlanta, and that's kind of what I like about it because it does so many odd things, even as it remains grounded in a very real setting in the city of Atlanta, um, it's somehow both 
uh, true to life and completely out there all at the same time. So Atlanta, for me, second best thing I've seen TV-wise this year. Yep, yep. That would make my backlist TV hall of shame. You I got it. You haven't, have you even seen one episode? I have not even seen one episode. How have you guys it. not even reviewed it? Yeah, well, it always sort of it sort of sneaks under the radar, and it comes at a time when there's so many other sure. things on, and so you sort of have to pick and choose what you do, and then by the time you have space, it's gone. It's gone. It's, a, it's go. a pretty quick show, right? Yeah, so, not, not particularly long, just like 10-episode seasons. So. Yeah, so, okay. Number one. I think we can count this. Do we now. do three, two, one yeah, on this three, one? Two, All right, three, three two, two, one. Daredevil. Daredevil. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Yeah, Daredevil was. It was fantastic. I know that it's been canceled. We'll never never see a season four. And like you with Infinity War, Jake, I think that's just fine. Yeah. I think that it ended at a perfect moment in time for this story. Um, it's just. It is It is full of action, it's full of angst, it's full of drama, it's full of theological opinings. It's just, it has a lot of the stuff that, that, that scratches the itch that I need scratched by my entertainment. <laughs> as weird as that sounds. That is an odd sentence, but we'll go with it. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I thought it was yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, as much as we waxed eloquent about it, Two, uh, two episodes two ago. Episodes Go ago. back and listen to that if you wanted. To, if you're catching up, like uh, Tim Nestor, who I know is catching up and might have just now finished daredevil season three so he can go back and listen to our spoiler cast about it there's so much that we didn't even get to talk about in that oh, one like we didn't even scratch the surface of bullseye oh i know and the ex- exploration of his mental health in this show on top like because we so were so tragic yeah because we were so stuck and rightfully so on daredevil's yeah. own religious wrestling yeah. that we didn't even have time for bullseye's mental wrestling yeah. which was fantastic so yeah daredevil season three there's a lot it's it's going to be a great show to to yeah. go back to yeah it's not popcorn watching so it's like you kind of got to be in no exactly you know it's not like oh let's just trot out daredevil and watch an episode here or there it's one that deserves to be watched in order, in sequence, and yeah. you can't just one-off episodes the way you did with the, do with The Office or Friends. But it is one of the best story arcs I've ever seen in a TV show, no, if I, not I totally the best. Agree. I totally agree. I think, and you know, it's a, a little bit discouraging in some ways because I've heard from some people who, um, after Iron Fist, after the disappointment of the Defenders, they sort of checked out on the whole Netflix Marvel thing. And weren't necessarily going to watch season three of Daredevil, even though that that's what drew them in in the first place, right. the Daredevil saga. It is really worth checking out, and and the whole Daredevil, the whole Daredevil series really stands well on its own. So yeah, check it out. All right, so now it's time to wrap up our best of 2018, and I want I'm glad we landed with this as the end because I wanted this to be sort of a uh, the finale and that's just like the best pop culture item whether it was a meme whether it was a song a music video a documentary a tv show a movie a book a blog post an article whatever that or a moment in time a trend whatever that was that pop culture item what was the best thing for you in 2018 paul okay so jake i gotta say that, that this is sort of uh, because of what i do i I actually sort of expanded this. Um, I could have gone with just something really specific, but instead I sort of look at themes throughout the year. And one of the things that I've noticed 
one of the things that I've noticed this year, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that we can take away from, from this year, particularly in movies. You have a lot of really strong female characters. You have, as we've talked about before, um, the movies seem really angry at times. But the thing that really struck me, I think, is is the quiet heroes that I saw this year in movies. And I think sort of that pushback, and one of your favorite movies, Infinity War, really illustrates that. I think that you have, one of the interesting things about it is you have this very traditional superhero story where people are fighting and sacrificing and and doing all these incredible, amazing, heroic things, and none of it works. Mm. And you have all this strength and all this power, and it turns out to be um, inconsequential in in light of the Infinity Gauntlet or whatnot. And I think that, that when I look at the movies that have moved me especially this year, they express a certain quietness about their heroes. They speak to the power of love and gentleness and just doing the right thing all the time. Um, one of my favorite movies that just missed my countdown, Won't You Be My Neighbor, about Mr. Rogers. Beautiful story about a, a true hero who never, ever raised his voice. Roma is another great example which which celebrates the beauty and really the God-given glory of being a servant, which is a really unsexy thing to be in, in this era and in this country. I think that we appreciate people who push and power through and achieve. Roma is about servanthood and how beautiful that can look, how beautiful it can be to serve somebody else and to truly love them. And I think that that, that those are some of the themes that I've noticed. Even A Quiet Place, um, as exciting and as moving as that was, I think the most tense, most heroic moment in that movie was someone giving birth. And I think that there's something really powerful about these these moments that just bring us back to that, that quiet sense of, of, of humanity um, that I really appreciated this year. Yeah. That's, uh, I like that. And that's, that's what I wanted out of this segment. Was well, good. Whatever that, I'm glad. Whatever that thing – really this segment – is the year's most least important thing. Right. When when I think about it. This is the way we love to wrap up every single show, and so I think it's only fitting that it's the way we wrap up the year with this grand, the year's best, the most least important thing. And so a theme like that fits the bill perfectly because it's probably not what people are going to be talking about that much except for Paul Acey. <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing. Like I like that about the most least important thing is really digging into – things underneath other things and drawing them out. Mine is less subtle, but still small. And so my most least important thing for the year of 2018, my favorite pop culture thing, um, kind of surprised me. Um, and that it, but at the same time didn't. So like it's, it's both surprising and exactly fitting. You're not going to be surprised at all. And it was, uh, James A. Caster's repertoire. Hmm. A four-part stand-up comedy special that was a Netflix exclusive came out earlier in the year. I think I actually mentioned it earlier in the year as a most least important thing. And to your point, in a year of chaos and a year of anger, comedy has a special place in my heart as a beautiful reprieve from the anger, from the fear, from the chaos, the ability to burst those tense bubbles with laughter, I think is a really 
like important thing to all of us, but underrated in that I don't think we often think about it. We kind of innately enjoy it and appreciate it when it happens, but it's not we're not always seeking it out. Um, and not only is repertoire just straight up funny and great to laugh at, it's also insanely creative. It's a four part stand up special. Each of the four parts is an hour long. <laughs> So it's a tour de force of comedy and and each is a standalone stand-up special that you could watch and totally appreciate, laugh out loud at and yet they're all connected. And so there's these call-outs and it's from start to finish and then the way it ends will leave your jaw on the floor because you're like, wait, what just happened in a stand-up special? And so it somehow made me wonder again about like new ways of doing things because you think about stand-up comedy, you're like – Everything's been done. Right. And yet he does something different. And he does something that made me wonder and actually dream a little bit again and say, I wonder what if. And so for me, the best thing, the most least important thing of 2018 was James A. Caster's repertoire. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I think that that's, that's one of the beauties, I think, as we flip the calendar to a new year is that sense. And, and I think your direct quote was, it made me – let me dream a bit, yeah. you know, to think about the future, to think about the possibilities of what lies ahead. And I think that, that for a lot of us, 2018 has been a difficult year. You look at the, the struggles and travails that our world is facing. It's a, it has been a hard slog. And we feel that way often, it seems like, around this time of year where we say, man, I sure hope that the new year will be better. Truth is, you know, these years – they're always a mixture of great things and bad things, but the beauty of them is, is it gives us a chance to look forward. It gives us a chance to hope. It gives us a chance to see the sunrise and make tomorrow better than yesterday. And I, I like that. Yeah. Well, dear friends, we hope you're still warm and cozy and full from your Christmas meals and time with family and that the new year rings in well. And that you come right back to hear Paul and I go tooth and nail <laughs> over our fantasy movie award teams, over the good and the bad and the ugly of pop culture. We got more Avengers coming out in 2019. We got a lot of films. It's going to be a big year. We got a lot of TV shows, a lot of, you know, maybe I'll force Paul, actually. We've been thinking about an idea to force Paul to listen to some more music. Oh, my goodness. Where I'll, I'll quiz the old geezer on current songs, see if he can guess uh, <laughs> what the title of a song is or what a song is about based on a couple of lines. We've got some fun games lined up for 2019 that I'm pretty excited about, and we're excited to be spending it with you, dreaming a little bit, laughing a little bit, fighting mostly, lots of fighting. Fighting, fighting, fighting yeah. is a big deal. <laughs> but until next time, until the next year, I'm Jake. I am Paul. I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.